You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is part two of the Recreation of Meaning Roundtable, the Fire Dragon edition. Now, most people don't remember the sermons preached at their weddings, okay, but I do. (laughs) Oh, I remember mine. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the the preacher gave such a a good paradigm, and he said, you know, when you're just starting out, because, you know, we got married pretty young, and he said, when you're just starting out, you take up the whole canvas, but as you age, you shrink on the canvas and other people begin to occupy more space and you realize you're, you're part of something bigger than yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's such an yeah. important paradigm for the artist because yeah, we're so much of what we do is solitary. We're isolated, right. we're, we're holed up in our studio, like just ideating and, you know, working on stuff. But this is where community is so important. Yeah. You know, people who are going to not just pat you on the back all the time. And I think that's really definitional about communities, not just people who agree. It's people who will push you and right. refine you, not abuse you or anything like that. But I love even what you said earlier about it's not so much changing your style, but it's staying curious. Yeah. I loved that. And that goes into my play on words from recreation to recreation. It's yeah. it's staying curious and continually wondering about something. I mean, one of the things that I tell young artists or young writers, especially when they say, you know, how, how do I get started with writing or something? And I say, you have to journal, you have to keep mm-hmm. a journal. It's not just cause that's where you work on your writing skill. It's because when you're journaling, you're trying to make sense of the world around you. And you're also observing character. You're observing other people that are not you, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and they, and people will not act the way you would <laughs> act. They, they're not good, you know? And so it keeps you open you know, to a larger world around you. And I, I think, I mean, any artist could benefit from that, but especially writers. Yeah. That's the thing is observation, you know, observation versus self-absorption because Mm -hmm. observation also means that we have to observe ourselves, right? So there is a certain level of self self reflection to it. And like you were talking about earlier, there is that line that we balance across Mm -hmm. between the idea of reflection and observation and then self-absorption on the other side. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's difficult to see the difference between the two, but that's, that's, that's the task of the artist though, right? Because we, we, I can't paint from any, from any place, but my own perspective, Yes, you know, a, a songwriter can't really, I mean, we can, you know, but you know, if you want to be disingenuous, if you want to be stale, if you want to be cold, sure, go ahead, have fun. <laughs> but if you, if, if you want the genuine experience and it has to be from yourself, right? Well, even when you're writing yeah. from another character's perspective, you're still writing from your perspective on that character. Yeah, and I think too, it's important, like as much as I'm talking about, as much as we're all talking about expanding your world beyond yourself, there's also, you at a certain point you have to say no, like actually my point of view is valid Yes. and I'm allowed to like fully express that and Mm -hmm. stand by it and own it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I heard Rick Rubin say recently, and talk about someone who, I mean, he's, He's done, uh, he recorded some of the first hip hop albums in the history of hip hop. Mm-hmm. D- D- Johnny Cash, Slayer. Uh, he did- From com- Johnny Cash to I Slayer. Know, comedy wow. albums with like Andrew Dice Clay. What? He's done almost anything you can imagine as a producer. Like there's no, I mean, I think he did a, a Adele, uh, Kanye, Jay-Z, the Chili Peppers. I, I mean, just it's like he almost has no, 
bounds as far as genre, you know. And he said this, he said, no one is smart enough to know what another person likes or wants. He said, so you have to make something that you like and then present it to people because if you like it, then there's a good chance other people can like it. But if you don't like it, and I've thought about that recently as well, that you're sort of like what you make is in my mind, I realize there's a lot, art can be for a lot of different reasons, but in my mind, art is really for them. Mm -hmm. But I'm the test market and it has to pass this first. And the only chance I have to make something meaningful for someone else is it's gotta mean something to me first. But you do have to take that second step and once you make it, then you're like, okay, now it's not for me anymore and I have to give it away. But it does have to resonate with me first. It has to be selfish first, then selfless second. Right. Because the goal is selfless, but you have to, it's a weird thing as an artist, it has to pass through the filter of the self Mm -hmm. before you can hand it off. At least, Maybe there are some people who are good enough to not have to do that. They they're just so good at their craft, you know. Mm. That, but they're just self forgetting all the time. Self forgetting, yeah. It's interesting. You have to be self aware and self forgetting at the same time, huh? I think about James Taylor's song Mexico in this because it's he could have easily written a song where he just BS the idea of being in Mexico. Or, or or anything in that way where he's like borderline appropriating or whatever it is, but he wrote a song about God. I really want to go there. Yeah, <laughs> and that's wow. the whole point of the song is I really want to go to Mexico. I've never been, you know, and I feel like that's that does it kind of like that again. gravitate. <laughs> that's amazing. That's good. Here's the other thing I thought is, and this is this probably works in other genres or other art forms, but as a songwriter and a performing songwriter it is weird to think like people pay money to come and look at me like and i i think that at the point i i've forgotten that they're looking at me but especially for for a long time i was like they're looking at me and so i wouldn't do things like how's it going cleveland because they're like that's so whatever but now i'm like oh they want me to say that (laughs) it's like maybe you know, like, um, and maybe this doesn't apply to everyone, but, you know, like, some things are cliche for a reason. You know, even if a girl doesn't like flowers, she's going to appreciate that you brought her flowers. You know, like, it's thoughtful. And so the, the, at a point, I was like, I go, okay, what is the work that I'm doing? Can I just step out of it and just say, like, well, what is the work? And if I know what I'm there to accomplish, I can be as self-absorbed as I need to be to get the job done. But at the end of the day, it's about getting the job done. But it is really weird to think, all these people are looking at me. <laughs> and you go on tour and every night you yeah. walk out and people are looking at you. Mm-hmm. And you get used to it after a while. But at first it's like being in a zoo or something. Yeah. And so I can see how that would make you a little bit self-absorbed. You know, you're like, all these people are looking at me. because So I better I better pay attention to what yeah. I'm doing because all these people are. And it, it, it freaked me out for a while when people started bringing phones and filming. I, early on, I told people to turn there. They were filming me. I had a couple times when I was younger and people were filming me during the show and I stopped the show and I told them to turn the camera mm-hmm. off. Nowadays, it, they <laughs> storm out. Yeah. But. Well, maybe a question is this, you know, because we've talked a lot about self-absorption and I can feel us wrestling through that. I can feel myself wrestling through even some of my own thoughts. And earlier I said the difference between self-absorption and then a toxic self-absorption. I wonder if maybe what we're saying is self-absorption versus self-awareness. And maybe there's maybe that's the language for it. Mm. Yeah, I think that there is 
self-absorption, but then there's what you really want to see when you encounter an artist's work is you want to see that artist fully occupying. Yes. That space. Work. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like that is the difference. And I do. Uh, Absolutely. You know, mm. let's, let's talk about that. Like, what does that look like? Yes. What's the difference between self-absorption and fully occupying the work? I think it's that same thing of like being self-aware and self-forgetful yeah. at the same time, because when you're in that flow state, yeah. you're fully absorbed. Yeah. You're, you're so absorbed, nothing else really exists. But at the same time, you're also so self-forgetful that you've transcended your yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. I had a conversation recently, when you said that, it reminded me, I had a conversation recently with a friend who worked at a record company that I was, I was on for a while and I, I was young and I was new and he, he and I have kind of grown together. We don't work together anymore, but we're still friends. And it's been fun to watch each other grow up. He's grown up as a, as a manager in a record company executive and I've kind of grown as an artist. We've, you know, we stay in touch and I was talking to him and I was like, man, uh, looking back, I, I'm so sorry I was so such a egomaniac when I was young and that I was so whatever. And he goes, what? He's like, we love that. He's like, it was fun. You had fire. It was like exciting. He's like, we kind of liked that you were all in and on what you were doing. You know, he's like, don't be so hard on yourself. He's like, part of that was fun. He's like, we were like, we thought it was fascinating and we thought it was exciting and we liked being a part of it. We liked that you were so bought in and that made us want to buy in. So there is part of it is, I feel like I'm going a little bit apologetic over time, but sometimes you're right. People want you to fully occupy that space. I want my rock stars to have an ego. I'm not saying I want to be a rock star, but I want, I want, Prince to walk out on the stage and own it and own it. <laughs> oh yes, you, you don't know? want Prince to be a shrink and violet. No. <laughs> so, I recently I I can't remember why I had the occasion to look this up because I I'm not I don't follow this but um I had to look up my Chinese zodiac sign, <laughs> and I discovered that I am a fire dragon, and uh, I was I like knew oh it. I knew it yeah <laughs> right of course. <laughs> Of course. That's funny. So, so am I. are you really? Yeah. 76, late yeah. 76, early yes. 70, Yeah. So I'm like, okay, fire oh, dragon. Whatever. I think I'm a rabbit or something. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. I'm a fire dragon. Like, I'm Leviathan. What are you? I'm a rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little bunny rabbit. Um, so, but uh, this is something I wrestle with, right? Because I, I can be the fire dragon. Mm-hmm. And when I'm when I am sort of self forgetting, that's what co- tends to come out. Mm. Is this intensity? It's very intense, I you see. know. And I know, like a lot of people, you know, can that can rub some people the wrong way. It's not their favorite flavor. And but and I don't like to go in there guns blazing and like I'm the fire dragon. Like that's not what I'm. I'm not conscious of that. You know what I mean? And so after like a fire dragon episode, let's say, <laughs> I always feel like oh gosh. Oh no, like I did I did it again. Like did I hurt anybody? You know, and I just want to like make myself really small and like go, you know, like get on my face, you mm. know, and because I know that I'm nothing. Like I'm really at the end of the day, like I'm nothing. And yet there's a reason why I have the personality that I have and and why I make the work that I do, which also is very intense. You know, I like I write about like totalitarianism and plague and like all of these, you know, the kind of rough things. And so I have to think about like, okay, 
why is my curiosity taking me to this place? And why does it seem like there's an audience for this that wants that kind of intensity and that like needs it, but for other people, they, they don't want that, you know? And so which, which do I feed? Do I feed the fire dragon or do I feed the, the humility and like mm. the wanting to get on my face? And I think that is something that comes with age, right? So like as a young rock star, you know, you had, you know, all the piss and vinegar, you know, whatever, <laughs> but maybe you don't want that now. Like maybe you want to just be able to like ease into the music and into like the, the comfort of being on stage and just being chill, you know? I don't know. I'll say, and this feels a little bit like a therapy session. I'm really loving yeah. this. No, this is good. You know what I love? I love getting older and realizing like, I actually can't, I, I can have the fire dragon and, but I can keep it under control. Yeah. And I'm like, like, you guys want me to let it out? <laughs> when you're in a safe place, you're like, you know, like a concert yeah. or stage. It's like, it's fun to be able to like, I'm going to roll in here and I'm going to steamroll these people and they're going to love it. <laughs> yeah. But I can turn it off mm-hmm. and everyone's going to be okay. Yeah. Like that, I love that when I can reach that point. And there's yeah. a time in my life when I was full on it. Then there's a time I was apologetic. And now I'm like, you know, I actually would like to keep the ego. It's sort of like the ego doesn't go away. You just become aware of it and then it serves the, the purpose, mm-hmm. right? It's always part of you. The ego is the projection of the self. It's not the self, it's the projection, but you're always gonna have some projection, right? But just having this conversation, I was like, I, I, that's, that's a goal for me. I want to have the fire dragon, but I wanna unleash it at the right time but I want it. But I, when it happens, I want it to be everything that I suppose. Yeah, to be. you don't want to. You don't want to be incinerating everything exactly. all the time with your hot breath. Yes. You know, sometimes you just want to let out a little puff. <laughs> but every now you know, and then, just a cute little spark at a party. Yeah, at a party or something. You're like, let's have a couple cocktails and let's see. Yeah. If we can get the fire dragon. Right. <laughs> I don't need a couple of cocktails yeah. to get the fire dragon. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I, I need a couple of cocktails to keep the to fire dragon else. in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But I think what we're talking about really is meekness yes. because uh, yes. you know meekness exactly. is what power under control or strength under control yes. it's it's the ability you know you, you didn't kill that confidence you didn't kill that ability to come out full force but it's also not obliterating the people around you right. any longer meek in scripture means teachable mm. that's blessed are the meek yeah it, it means those who are able to be malleable and to change yeah that's what meek means yeah not rigid exactly yeah. yeah so i mean i would say that i'm not really correcting you as much as actually kind of expounding on the idea that reinforces what you're saying mm-hmm. that meekness is the ability to be molded that's good yeah that's good so if we're talking chinese zodiac then and you guys get to be <laughs> fire dragons and i'm a rabbit I'm gonna be a jackalope. Hey, <laughs> yes. I don't, I, dude. I'm still on the fire dragon. I don't know how not to fire dragon things. <laughs> I am still. I am I, Vesper. We're the same age, and I'm still having a hard time not fire dragoning everything around me. So yeah, me too. But you, but then I have to realize that the fire dragon has value. 
Yeah. You know, it has value. It's not just that I'm like wanting to steamroll people or like be a jerk or anything. I really care about people. I yes. really, you know, I, Same. I care about artists, but I also care about the people who are encountering my work. Mm-hmm. I want them to flourish. I don't want it to hurt them. I want it to motivate. I want it to light fire under people so that they can like fully occupy themselves. Right. You know, I still feel like this is really where things kind of take different roads even from music to even illustration to fine art. Cause I feel like there is, and, and I would, I, I, maybe it's too insulated. I don't know, but like in fine art, there is, there is an encouragement. Oh, fine to, art insulated. What? Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking if about. Everything you do is fire dragon, then fire dragon away in that fine art space, because yeah. it's really like you're you're stepping in with the expectation that this is a piece of this individual and it's a hundred percent themselves unapologetically yeah, speaking yeah. and so that's a right wrong or indifferent that's I, I that's where I feel like that that's that's where all of these kind of these these genres and mediums kind of we don't necessarily run in tandem right and I guess to that point, as a fine artist, what what do you do? Like like, is there? Do, do I have to apologize for being a trogdor and <laughs> burninating the villages all the time, or is is wow. that okay? Is that you know? And it's like you know, if you're going to see this, this is the expectation you're going to have when you approach this artist in this piece. Right. And well, so, go ahead. Well, please. I was just going to say, you know. What's interesting for me, and I can only speak from my own experience with all of this, is that it's a process of learning to make room for others. Yeah. Because I've but always- But do I have to? Yes. Does the artist have to make room for, I don't know if they do. Well, I say you do only because first, it has to be, it maybe has a to graphic, begin. Maybe as a graphic designer. Well, well I, I don't know. Let's see. Let's see what you. Yeah, mean. I, I uh. guess what I'm. I guess what I'm saying is this. First of all, it has to embody meaning for you alone. Period. Right. All right. You got to have that space. But at the end of the day, I would argue that all art is communicative. All art. I don't argue with that. So therefore, we're leaving room for other people to encounter it. And so I, I think that at the end of the day, all of this comes back to relationship. I just and, don't think you guys have been looking at fine art. Like, because that's not what you see. Well, I'm talking about the creative process in general, because for me, as someone who is, has pursued music, has pursued poetry, who has curated events, all these things, I'm a visionary. And when I get in that space, it's a gift that I get tunnel vision, but that tunnel vision also has a shadow side. And I've hurt people by not leaving room for other people. Now that doesn't mean that I watered down the vision that I've been given. But it is a matter of learning how to steward that fire dragon. But we're with, still without... talking about different things, though. But, Possibly okay, so. so. And maybe all, I'll edit this so, part out. But. So first of all, Brandon. This <laughs> might be good. First I mean, all, this is dialogue. First of all, this category fine art, I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you mean. It's, this is a non-category for me. Fine art. What does that mean? Art painting. Gal- gal- gallery painting. Gallery painting. Yeah, yeah, painting in a gallery. So, so are you anything saying, in a gallery, a sculpture so, or so anything. So like by the definition of like gallery painting, that that <laughs> definitionally means that you don't need to leave space for other people. I don't I yeah, think that that's not necessarily. It can, it doesn't have to. But I but I but think about so many, let's quote unquote fine artists who destroyed other people and themselves. 
Okay. So many. There's a there is a bloody trail of these people that, who have destroyed is, yeah, other people. Okay, so that's 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 a good and place some of, to... and some of those people are the most are the, are the geniuses. Sure. And they've been the most destructive. Without a doubt. So I think we're talking about two different things now. Because you're now bringing in relationship mm-hmm. to their work. Because their work alone speaks for itself sure. and speaks beyond generations. Their life... I mean, this is like a conjectural they, but okay. Exactly. Their, well, yours is as well. <laughs> but their life is, I believe, two different things. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the work, but you're talking about pretty much the gestalt of their life with their family, the people around them, and their work in addition to that's that. That's what I was saying as well. I'm, just I'm talking, talking about, about when work, work becomes an obsession, when work becomes an unhealthy obsession to the exclusion of the human beings around And you. that's what I meant by self-absorption versus yeah. toxic self-absorption. And I think too, we're talking about the art or we're talking about the artist. So there could be an artist who is intense about making very not intense art. And I think that like it's the commitment to the craft and sort of the rhythm of life around it. And, and that's what I was talking about. It's not like I walk out on stage and I'm this like wild dude, <laughs> but it's like my commitment for, to force my whole team to show up and do what they had to do to make sure that I could look the best I could and do the best I could. This wasn't the, it wasn't like I walked out and I was mega intense on the stage. It was like the intensity to get there. I think that's what I mean. It's, it's, it's so in a sense, or I guess the question is, are we talking about the artist or are we talking about the oh, that's art. like a whole I was other talking about conversation. the art. I was, okay. I was 100% talking about the artist. I probably artist. led okay. us out to the artist realm with what I said. Yeah, you kind of did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So well, I'll, I, I'll send you these files. You can edit yeah. them. <laughs> no, no. But I think that, you know, Stephen, when you're talking about making space for other people. By the way, I was smiling so big because this is an incredible <laughs> podcast. Like the YouTube going back and forth is like, this is incredible content. It's like two fire this dragons. This is like great. <laughs> it is. This is like, I was like, this is like, <laughs> this is a podcast I want to listen to right totally. now. Yeah, totally. I was like, this is good. great. So I was like, oh crap, I smiled too big. I was like, this is good stuff. Well, okay, so, you know, whatever work we're making, right? I mean, I think it's impossible for the artist to be completely unaware of who is going to encounter the work. Unless you're just like, I'm going to work on something that is deliberately going to sit in a drawer and nobody's ever going to see it. You know, that's fair enough. But I think when you create work, the underlying assumption is somewhere out there, there's people who are curious about the same things that I'm curious about, you know? And so I'm going to explore this and people are going to encounter it and some people will understand it. Right. And I think that that's making space for other people. Because it's kind of by default, though, wouldn't you say? Because, you know, even a broken clock's right twice, sure. a, twice a day hey. type of thing. Like, <laughs> sure. Because like, you could be very out there, but you're going to find the, the two <laughs> individuals in and life. And it may only be two. <laughs> yeah, but, right. but, you know, but you know what? This is the beautiful thing about it all, is that ultimately in art, the intimate reflects the infinite yeah. and the personal will inevitably reflect the universal. Yes. And I think that's what's so beautiful is that if you pursue something that is meaningful to you, somewhere somebody is gonna catch that. It's gonna catch sure. fire with somebody else. And that's what I meant by all art is communicative is I think that, yes. you know- I don't think anybody objects to that. Yeah, yeah. and I think I think during the, the initial stages of that creative process, absolutely, let's shut out the world and go there. 100%, let's give it our all. But I think that as we do that, 
that's the beautiful surprise of art is when we present it to the world and we figure out that there's a whole community of people that feel or think or have considered the same things that we had no idea, Mm -hmm. you know? I feel like that can either take away from your work or it can like add to the meaningfulness of your work is knowing that a certain group of people is going to see what you're doing makes you even subconsciously do it differently. I agree. Yeah, totally and, agree. And, and so that's kind of neat. And sometimes it's nice to place yourself in these different communities because just by be, just by knowing who's going to see it first makes you do it differently. And that can actually add to the layers of complexity to what you're doing. And sometimes, like for me, when I'm writing a song, sometimes I'm like, when I don't know who's going to hear it, I'm like, I don't know what to say. I don't need to sing anything to me because it's all in here. It's all bouncing around. It has been for weeks. I don't need to have the same conversation with myself. It's like, I need to get it out. I need to hear me say it to some other people. And But if I don't know who's hearing it, sometimes it's hard to know how to say it. Mm-hmm. You know, and even if the people I'm imagining aren't even real and those aren't the people who end up hearing it, it's always like, I feel like I'm always singing it to someone. Yeah. I'm always having a conversation with somebody. Yeah. Right. You know, and then who inevitably hears it or connects with it is sort of like, I don't have much control over that. Yeah. But when I'm making it, there is somebody there yeah. that is on the other end of whatever it is that I'm saying. It, there's, a, there's a lot of crossover between that and illustration because I'm, you know, I'm in the communication arts, you know, I'm I'm in the commercial arts technically, but, you know, I'm only aware of that sort of secondarily because my commitment to like being an artist and fully embodying that for myself is very strong, right? But at the back of my mind is always like, okay, especially because I work for children, it's like, oh, it's other people's children that are going to see, that are going to encounter my work. What does that mean? I have a certain responsibility toward them. I have a responsibility toward the, the kids, toward the parents, and toward myself to, compl- you know, to really realize the vision that I'm trying to lay out, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think bringing it all back home to the recreation of meaning, mm-hmm. really, we're grappling with that space as an artist exploring the things that are meaningful to us and then also understanding the relational aspect of having an audience that is going to view our work or encounter our work and how those things relate to one another and you know what's a healthy way of engaging that and it may be different for us at different times in our lives it may be different for illustration than music or visual art or whatever it is but i don't know we could probably do about five more podcasts of this before we figure out the answer to the world's problems. (laughs) All right, so to bring this all back home, we've been talking about the recreation of meaning, which I think in some ways we're talking about the role of the artist in the creative space. It's a solitary space. And then also considering what is the role or the relationship of the audience and the people that our work serves, or the people that encounter our work. But we were also talking about that play on the word, the recreation. And I think part of this is keeping playfulness and keeping curiosity always alive and, and repeating that again to stay curious, you know? And um, this may be the first podcast 
where we have successfully talked about Taylor Swift, Radiohead, Beck, Nick Cave, Miley Cyrus, Madonna, Lady Gaga, as well as Andy Warhol, Rauschenberg, Comic Books, Johnny Cash, Slayer, Adele, Kanye, Jay-Z, The Chili Peppers, Rick Rubin, James Taylor, and David Brooks and Fire Dragons in one episode. Well done, well done. Yeah. Mission accomplished. The show notes are going to be baller. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Makers and Mystics Recreation of Meaning Roundtable. We'd love to hear your perspective on the topics discussed in this episode. Find us on Instagram at Makers and Mystics and leave a comment on the show post for this episode. We'll see you again on Tuesday. In the meantime, keep creating. The world needs your art. Music